I would encourage customer success teams to think about. It's not just what are the cool new trends or what's going on, but to take stock of what they're doing and then to share that with their managers or their the leadership or for leadership to do an assessment themselves and be able to come back and say, hey, we're going to drop these things because it's just too much. And I think we're going to find that people are more empathetic, that our leaders are more empathetic than we give them credit for. Welcome to this episode of Video Voyagers, Edge of AI. We are your hosts, Audrey. And I'm Rich. Today, we're talking to Jeff Beaumont, and we actually kind of run the gamut of topics. I feel like we talked a little bit about Hollywood and like the writer's strike, and we talked about legal compliance and like security risk when it comes to AI. Rich, what were kind of your favorite takeaways from this combo? You know, I think he was really spot on when he kind of talked about working collaboratively in bringing AI with legal and with other teams to kind of figure out what's going on. And like, when you work collaboratively, it's not going to be something that's just fly by night, right? So I think that was very astute there. I did also, you know, like how he really encourages us to go to leadership, go to people that can make decisions and tell them why we're wanting to do this stuff and what we're looking to accomplish. Yeah. And that kind of leads into, I think, my favorite part. And frankly, I feel like this, I mentioned it in the interview, but this has been a theme across almost every single conversation that we've had on this podcast is just the value and the importance of human connection and empathy. And especially like in an increasingly AI driven world, if you will, I think that those things are going to become more and more (laughs) important in a world where AI has taken over everything. Empathy will be important. <laughs> <laughs> the last CSM. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We're okay. He's, I mean, I'll go away. He's on a mission to produce churn and increase retention. <laughs> <laughs> He's a fractional CSM for every company owner. <laughs> oh, and also, we should let people know this podcast is put on by Vidiate. If you want to know more about making videos at ludicrous speed and no longer having to feel the pain of updates every two weeks when someone moves a button or changes a word, go to video.io, sign up for a demo and learn more about us. We are, we're happy to help you and kind of show you what we've got. Yeah, and show you how you can reduce churn and increase retention and product adoption through the power of video. <laughs> <laughs> yes, now that was put on by AI odds. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, let's go talk to Jeff. Sounds good. Our guest today is Jeff Beaumont, who's recently finished a four-year stint as a director and senior director at GitLab and is a self-employed customer success consultant working with SaaS companies to design, build, and execute customer success motions to improve retention and expansion. Welcome to Video Voyagers, Jeff. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you on. I'm excited for this. So our opening question, we asked this, of everybody. <laughs> we'll make everybody equally uncomfortable. We've all seen people use ChatGPT to create instructional content. So is AI going to take our jobs? So I've had to think about this one. The question naturally elicits a fight or flight mentality. But I would ask if that's the best framing and I'm going to beg the question to say no. So let me give a metaphor. So we're going to go back a couple thousand years. So in the ancient world, the color purple, like a purple shirt, a purple robe, something like that, represented power and wealth. And so only a few people could get that. 
And much of that was because to get true, real color purple was to extract it from a specific sea snail in the Mediterranean. I know I'm getting super nerdy here. I have a point. So why do we say this? Well, we don't need that sea snail to make purple anymore. There are new ways to do that. We have chemicals, we have dyes, we can do this, we can do that to do it today. So it sounds silly, but purple is a color that's been democratized. And when was the last time we thought, man, I really want to buy that purple shirt online, but I just can't get them like only nobility get that. And so I make it kind of tongue in cheek and kind of silly. But like, what if we still frame the question of getting purple in light of sea snails? And so I'm kind of going off on a different tangent here, but I would say AI has the capability of allowing us to achieve more. And if we looked at it with a fight or flight mentality, we're going to really miss out on a lot of goodness. Hmm. So with that in mind, what do you feel like the biggest challenges are facing customer success teams right now that you're seeing as a consultant? Yeah, it's hands down customer retention. We've all seen that for the last nearly two years of the downturn, the economic issues going on, especially in technology with renewals. And that's really the hardest part for CS teams. So do more, do more, do more, retain more customers. You got to do all these things. You're not doing enough. And that's both like wearying, like it's hard. It's a struggle personally or as individuals, but it's also a, a systemic economic environmental aspect that we're going through. And there's a number of reasons why that's the case. Yeah, as director of CS here, I will tell you that is 100% true. <laughs> so you told our team that CS operations are stuck because of WYSIWYG, what you see is what you get, tooling. Tell us more about that issue. And is that issue growing? I think so. Well, growing, yes and no. So the WYSIWYG idea or the struggle I've seen is that there's a lot of tools such as our CSM platform, our customer success platforms where it has to be administered and you have to use the tool as it was designed years or even decades ago for some CRMs. So for example, you can't just drop your CRM into say something like a chat GPT and ask it to design, hey, we're going through territory cuts and carving, or we're going to roll out this new go-to-market motion. So let me drop in my CRM. I want you to design all new fields, rewire the integrations and set up an approval matrix for me. So there are parts of that that AI can do, but there's also many aspects of operations that are still stuck where we're relying on, no, I need to log into the tool. I need to do this. I need to design these things. AI can help with things like dumping in a spreadsheet. I was working on this yesterday, actually, a different example, but dumping in a spreadsheet and saying, hey, analyze this. And then here's what these columns mean. And here's what I'm looking for. Can you go through and retool this for me? There's lots of that that AI is now able to do, especially if you have something like chat gpt 4.0 or some other tooling but there's still lots in operations where it's like nope like you just have to go into that tool and you have to set it up yourself following up on that we've seen recent ai adaptations incorporated into like the adobe creative suite but how can our team managers ensure our cs content creators are trained and prepared for these innovations oh man love this question i think the first part is probably something that's going to make us all uncomfortable, which is it's honestly could be a lot of trial and error. And I say that like, oh, like, is that the really the right answer? But I think it is. I think we have to accept that. Well, one, we're in a new world of freedom, of exploration, and that mistakes will happen. And I think that comes for anything to truly be new, original, creative or beautiful. 
we have to make it wrong 10 times before we make it exceptional, before we can make it truly exceptional. And I guess the metaphor or the analogy I would use is during COVID when we all decided, hey, you know what? We're going to become bakers. We're going to just bake a bunch of loaves of bread. Who baked that perfect sourdough loaf the very first time? And so that's point one, I would say. And I did bake and I did mess up a bunch of loaves just for clarity there. I'm speaking from personal experience and it was way more than 10 that I messed up. But beyond that, I think content creators need to have a robust framework, not only for how to do their job. So, hey, here's the job description. Here's what's expected of me. But what success looks like in their roles in this new era. So it'll be extremely tempting to just pump and dump material to go out there and say, oh, I, I want to create 20 different things. And let me use AI to do that. And I've used AI to modify and append and clarify some content. But I still go in and think about like, what is the message that I want to communicate? Because I still want to have a heart behind it. I still want to have the empathy. And that's where I want to start from. So while we see a proliferation of content out there from a lot of pumping and dumping and and articles just being mass produced or copied or whatever else, I actually kind of hope that AI can help us gate a lot of the garbage content or a lot of the duplicate content and help us to find some of the best articles, the videos, the podcasts. I think with AI involved in so many different areas of our life and in our work, being able to go on and just find all these cool things, the mass amount of data and content and out there is enormous. And so instead of content creators thinking about, okay, hmm, my role has create in it. So that's what I need to do. I'm looking forward to the day when content creators say, oh, you know what? My title says content creator, but really I need to be content curating it. And yes, that will mean I do need to create something for them. I need to create instructions on how to do this or how to accomplish this. But I also need to curate what's already in existence, or I need to curate an experience for them. The content may exist, may not exist, something like that, but I need to help them I need to paint a path for them to go down. So I think that's the cool part for content creators is to say, hey, trial and error. Think about not just curating, but or sorry, not just creating, but what else you can do. And then also think of yourself as a curator as well. Nice. So you worked at GitLab and obviously we have to bring up GitLab because GitLab's a big deal, right? <laughs> it's a fantastic company. It really is. It really is. What projects did you work on at GitLab that you found had the biggest challenges as a result of WYSIWYG tools and AI? There were several. I'll spell them out and then I'll go into the details. Product usage data strategy. So how do we use our data? How do we use the customer's data or the product data that they're of how they're using it to better them? The next one is very related to that, which is account health scoring. And then third one is rolling out and launching Gainsight. So with product usage data, AI would have been fantastic with this. And just for a caveat, because for whenever people listen to this, I started in GitLab in 2019. So there were very few AI related tools and any that claimed to be it was more like a machine learning or more likely an if then series of statements. So we had to assess what makes a customer successful with their product. So we had a lot of customer data. And so I'm just imagining if I could have connected it to like a snowflake table and said, Tell me what characteristics stand out about these customers who renew, 
And then with data, like here's the list of customers who renew and who are great and who expand. And then here's the customers who churn or contract or just weren't a good fit and said, tell me what you see with all this piles and piles of data. Like That could have been incredible. And that would have short circuited a project that took well over a year into something that, you know, a few weeks or something like that, or even less. So I think that's one where I'm like, oh, man, I wish I had that. Related to that was the health scoring framework. And that's it's still used and quite popular. It was a team of us that put that together as well. And so similar to above, it would have been helpful because it would have been, hey, design for me a customer health scoring system that takes into account these things. And that's something where it would have helped us a lot. And kind of going back to the original question of, hey, is AI coming to take our jobs? I think the cool part is, is if we all used AI, we would have been able to skip over the pieces that we really didn't enjoy of going in, mashing data, finding tables, blah, blah, blah. And to say, okay, how can we actually use this to better our customers? It wouldn't have removed our jobs. It would have helped us to remove the tedious tasks and to say, okay, now that this has come, I want to validate what this tool is telling me of how we define customer health. Or I want to use this and I now want to work with our CSM so that the CSM can really dig in and get in and say, yeah, this makes sense or doesn't make sense or whatever else. And we can have fun exploring the parts that we really want to do. So those are a couple. And then the last one I'll mention is Gainsight. Incredible tool. I love it. And if we could implement it all over again, I would have used Gen AI to draw up things like playbooks, sequences, not just sequences, meaning when should a CSM reach out? What should they say? How should they say it? What does that follow-up look like? But also digital to say, hey, write out an ideal digital campaign for this purpose or for that purpose, or draw me a framework of how we should think about this. That could have been incredible. And then lastly would be, why are we using this tool documentation? Like, How does this tool help us as uh, CSMs, as uh, sales reps, as whatever else? So Those are the three big areas that I really sunk my teeth in with a fantastic team within CSOps, RevOps, the data team, product, and more. Now, generative AI is fantastic to play around with. I know Odds loves playing with it. We've seen some fantastic adaptations of it in marketing, right? But when it comes to customers, like what are the compliance risks that our customer success teams can face with the technology? The ones that I'm aware of, and I think I'll say it because I think everyone already knows it, but just to be clear, like releasing client or sensitive information into the LLM or the tool or whatever it might be, and then the ownership of that data. So one is putting that data in. There's a pretty massive multinational company that got in trouble because they released their tooling. And then it later came out that anything you add goes into that body of work And then others can use it, right? And so you think about, oh, I put that data in thinking that it's like how we use Google Docs or Microsoft Excel or something else where we put it in, it's there, and maybe, you know, they're going to run some analytics on how long did I use it or if the tool crashed or whatever else, but it's my data. And we've been so accustomed to this. And then when that happened and they said, oh, no, we actually pulled your data to make our product better. And so now when other people write in a prompt, 
they're using your data. And so then it's like, oh, there's a risk of not just our secrets, but our customer data and everything else. Like if I drop something in about a customer, a financial data or otherwise, like it's now available for others. And I don't know how that's going to be used. And then I think the other one is like the ownership of data, which we'll probably get into is who owns it. Yeah, that's definitely, uh, I think about the ads, the Matthew McConaughey ads, right, for IBM. Well, you know, he does his typical, like, who's going to be the sheriff or something like that? I don't know. Like, he's just kind of <laughs> does the whole thing he does. But that's what that reminds me of. Is always like this, like, wasteland or whatever, or this Wild West kind of thing. Do you have any real life examples where this happened to a project like you were working on that you can share? Yes and no. Yeah, <laughs> there's one I can share from GitLab. So GitLab has now rolled out their AI tool called Duo, which I'm really excited about. I'm excited to see the team launch it. It's been pretty recent. There's a number of people that put their blood, sweat and tears in, Justin and David and hundreds of others. But before that, we couldn't use Gen AI tools for the company because of the compliance risk and conflict. So I see that as a potential issue for when a company who is launching an AI or LLM model of their own, that if they use someone else's, there could be lawsuits. So because we were creating our own, there's not just the compliance risk, but there's also the agreements in place of you can't use our model to create your own model, or you can't use our tooling to create your own tooling. And so that created something where it was interesting because we couldn't actually use that. We couldn't use, say, ChatGPT because we were creating our own, not just the, we don't want to put our data into something else, but no, there's actually that friction. So I think for any company out there that's working on creating their own, consider what it, consider that I almost never read the fine print on any agreement that I sign. Like when I bought the Apple AirPods, like there's terms of service and it went on for tens of pages. And I was like, I don't know many people that read the whole thing, but for something like Gen AI, it's actually something where we do need to read the fine print on. Because if we're trying to create our own tooling or system or model or LLM or whatever, what have you, we need to make sure that we're not putting ourselves into trouble there because there could be a lot of the potential for lawsuits and we don't want that. So if AI is used to generate an asset, whether that's like a video or an image or what have you, who owns that asset legally? I don't have an answer, but this is where I found the Hollywood Writers and Actors Guild strikes so fascinating. One part of the strike focused on if people signed a contract, had pictures taken of them, then the production company could use those pictures to recreate me in almost any situation. So it looks like me, but I'm not acting. I'm not paid for it. And then they continue to use me for years or decades to come. So who owns, you know, the right to my own body as an actor on the screen. And I think that's why this strike foreshadows what's to come. Because on one hand, if an AI can generate any model, make it say anything they want, that's incredibly efficient. Like regardless of the ethics or morals or how we feel about it, that's incredibly efficient to just take some pictures of me. And then it's like, yep, like you don't have to come back tomorrow or ever. Like we have you set. That's amazing just from what humans have been able to create. And I want to respect that. However, if we could also wipe out all of acting, screenwriting, and many other roles in a moment, what's the impact on those people? What's the impact on music and media and film and theater and playwriting and play acting? 
what's the impact there? And is that something we're even going to want? Like, are we going to want to go see a movie where it's like, yeah, this is all the effect effectively CGI. And I think that's going to be interesting because it helps us think about not just the legal aspect of who owns it, but also the humanity aspect of, is that something that we even want? Because at this point, the genie's out of the bottle. We can't stuff it back in. But what does it mean for us going forward? I think that's fascinating to me. My brain went to genie in a bottle. <laughs> <laughs> so what can our customer success teams be doing to help to improve the compliance issues that are holding their content back? Shoot, that depends. I think one thing is keep doing what we're doing, which is creating the content and working with their customers to make them successful, whether that has AI or not. The next is, and I think a lot of CSMs are already very far down this road, at least CSMs that I've been talking to, which is exploring gen AI tooling to see how they can improve their own content. Is just knowing like, oh, this isn't something that's super privy and private, such as financial data or uh, sensitive customer data. Not as a, I have to do this task and I have to get it done now, but enter it with a sense of treat yourself like an explorer or treat yourself like an investigator. You don't even know where you're going to end up necessarily. You're just exploring and that can be fun. And if we enter with that mindset, I think it's way better and it's way more intriguing for us. You know, I think the best stuff is always a mixture of scary and exciting, right? <laughs> so speaking of scary and maybe not exciting, one thing that CS managers, I think, I think right now are really worried about is you get a meeting with the legal department at your business, right? What kind of stuff do you need to ask them if you're trying to talk about this stuff and trying to actually get it going without being afraid of it? Yeah. So what's the context? Are we meeting with them because we're trying to get something set up? Yeah, we're trying to get something set up that is leveraging AI to really do better with our customers. Okay. Yeah, I've done this and I've worked with amazing people, such as a former coworker of mine, Lindsay. I'll give her a shout out who helped me. She guided me. She helped me understand what I could or couldn't do. But she also helped me with the why and what it would mean for the business. That's something I was able to share with her is to say, here's the why behind it, what it would mean for the business, what it would mean for the customers. So she was really excellent at developing empathy of me for her, and then also reverse of partnering with our go-to-market motions. So she didn't just come and say, okay, what do you need? But like, tell me a story. What are you hoping to achieve? And she framed that in a way where it wasn't like, okay, what are the fields? What's the data? What are the risks? She didn't start there. She started with, tell me a story. And then I was able to tell, and it you know, probably took a little bit longer, but it was a much better and more inviting and actually kind of fun conversation to have because it didn't start with like, okay, well, here are the risks and here's what you can and can't do. Instead, it started with, help me understand how this is going to help the customers. And by that, she was able to develop empathy for me. And then I was able to go, oh, she's trying to partner with me. She's not the antagonist in this story. If we think of stories with a protagonist and antagonist, she's not the antagonist. She's here to help me and to guide me. And she's going to, she will tell me, and she has told me like, hey, you can't do that. Sorry, like flat out no. But that only came after she following the Stephen Covey approach of seek first, understand, then be understood. Like that was her model. And so I would say for CSMs out there, keep that in mind. And then 
if you can with your legal department, tell them a story of what you want to accomplish. Don't yet go into the risks or the worries or here's the data, but help them do that. So it's not like going to the principal's office in trouble. It's more going to the counselor's office, trying to get in college. And then, yeah. So. Yeah. If you can be proactive, I think that's better. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Getting close to wrapping up here. Last two questions. What's the dream tool that you would want to help boost customer success revenue? Like one that avoids getting stuck with WYSIWYG tools or AI compliance? I'm going to have to go back to the metaphor I shared earlier about exploration or creative, because I honestly don't know the answer to the dream tool. And I think that's part of the magic is we don't know. By the way, I'm sure I could give a list of five or 10 things that would be really, really cool to have. But when I think of the dream tool, that's where we get to experiment, explore, exhibit creativity. A dream tool is just that. It's a dream. So it should be born from dreams, which means creativity. And once a dream tool is created, it quickly loses its edge and becomes mainstream and just an expectation. Like at one point, having a CRM was a dream tool or having this or having that. And so I think one of the cool parts, one of the fascinating and fun parts for me when I think of when I put on, you know, hey, be an explorer and and come at it from a point of creativity. And we don't know where that's going to take us. But we know that by continuing to dream, by continuing to be creative, we'll come up with something really incredible. Mm. So kind of more prescriptive, right? As far as like, you know, the dream tool, you're right. It's hard. What does a CS lead need to do to get on board? I found that to be one of the most freeing things in the past two years is working with leadership and to say, here's what I can do. Here's what I can't do. And then to come to an agreement. And usually people are really supportive and saying, yeah, it's been really rough for us all. I don't expect you to get all the stuff done or the team to get everything that was done before. And then it creates a transparent conversation. We're all aligned. Our stress can drop. And then we can focus on what really matters. And I think that's what I would encourage customer success teams to think about. It's not just what are the cool new trends or what's going on, but to take stock of what they're doing and then to share that with their managers or their the leadership or for leadership to do an assessment themselves and be able to come back and say, hey, we're going to drop these things because it's just too much. And I think we're going to find that people are more empathetic, that our leaders are more empathetic than we give them credit for. Good word, Jeff. That's good. Yeah. That's a great one to end on. <laughs> okay, cool. I'm glad we could do that. Thank you so much for joining us today, Jeff. It was a pleasure to have you on. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a joy as well. That's all for today's episode of Video Voyager's Edge of AI. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Have a good day. Bye. Talk to you later. And if you'd like to learn how customer success and customer education leaders are using video to scale their support efforts, how AI and automation plays into their day-to-day, and what video technology your competitors are investing in, check out the newly released 2023 State of SaaS Customer Success and Product Training Videos Report. You can download it on our website at video.io. Don't forget to subscribe. Bye. Video Voyager's Edge of AI is powered by Vidiate, the number one trailblazer in the world of video AI and automation. With Vidiate, it's fast and easy to create, update, and globalize your video library with every new software release. Learn more on our website at vidiate.io. Keep up to date with technology's role in shaping the future of customer experience. 
Search for Video Voyagers on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to stuff. And don't forget to subscribe, leave us a review if you like us, but not if you don't, and stay tuned for more. See you next time.